You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. We will, I think we're going to be able to do a regular old Twitter Tuesday maybe tomorrow because only one game to break down tomorrow. That is the Monday nighter that is yet to happen to finish up wildcard weekend. Cardinals at Rams that we will break down then and then hit some of your questions as we start to see what's going to look like in this uh, divisional round of playoffs. But today we've got five games to cover, Matt, from Saturday and Sunday. Wild card playoff games, some blowouts, some comebacks that were thwarted. And let's just start chronologically with the early game Saturday and the Raiders falling to the Cincinnati Bengals 26-19. I just came away with this game thinking, oh man, Bengals fans have to go to bed feeling good that they have a franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's that was the oh. big takeaway for me. He's like, oh, that's nice. We got one of those and we might be able to, to do this playoff thing for a while. First time in what, 31 years? Yeah, amazing. I mean, uh, people around here in Pittsburgh are obviously quick to rip on the Bengals and you, you can't imagine how many texts I got over the week leading up to this saying, you know what's never happened in the world? And the Bengal, no one has ever texted the words <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals won a playoff game because texting wasn't invented back then. Wow. Like, wow. That is a great <laughs> point. That is unbelievable. And and the the and really it's funny because the Bengals have been searching for this for so long and they got something going now. And I think they'll be a better team even next year than they are this year. We'll see how far they can yeah. go in the playoffs here. And we'll, I guess we'll just we'll cap it and we'll finish with the with the late Sunday game, which was those Steelers and the end of the run for Pittsburgh and and the end of a career looks like for Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers fans out there have had their quarterback for so long and watched other teams in the division, especially Cincinnati and Cleveland, just yeah. you know flounder trying to find that quarterback and never getting things together and a scary offseason for those Steelers fans because now uh, the shoes on the other foot. Oh, the tides have turned, that's for sure. And and I've been saying for over a year, with all respect to Lamar, Burrow's the guy to fear in this division. And, you know, let's talk about the game, but I just want to throw this out there just so people realize the Bengals have, like, the fifth most cap space to spend and not that many needs. You know, like, what if they sign two offensive linemen and draft one in the first round? Like, holy smokes, you know what I mean? That's all I would yep. do if I were them. A um, couple notes. You mentioned the Steelers. I'll throw this out there now, and I'm not going to put a wet blanket over the weekend, but I thought it was pretty clear the Eagles, Steelers, Raiders probably really aren't playoff teams. You know, they were the sacrificial Mm -hmm. lambs in round one. So I'm happy they're all gone because now all the games going forward are legit playoff-type teams that have a chance to win this thing. So some of the dead weight is gone. And that's, of course, as I have all year, selling the Raiders a little short because – Carr played well. Jacobs played well. They got after Burrow reasonably well. They stuck around as they always do. Um, But my big takeaways, of course, are, yeah, these guys got a quarterback, and they're not going away anytime soon in a passing game with Chase and these guys. But they also, if they're going to keep advancing, got to be better on third downs, got to be better in the red zone. You know, they could have put the Raiders away. And there's an art to doing that in the playoffs. And I wouldn't expect the young Bengals team to be there yet, but that's the next step. 
Do you think that we're going to start seeing more and more? And Debo Samuel, obviously, we'll get to that game here in a bit. But uh, Debo Samuel, players like that, we've seen it with Cordell Patterson. I think offenses becoming more positionless, trying to get the jump on defenses. And I saw it with Jamar Chase in this game, too. He took Mm -hmm. three carries for 23 yards. But I... I think everyone's going to be looking for that style of player. And maybe even even if they don't have that style of p- player, realizing, look, we can really mess with the defense here and turn uh, tw- uh, 11 personnel into 21 personnel and put a, a wide receiver who's really good with the ball in their hands, get the ball in their hands as easy as possible, which is handing it to them, and, and, and get the ball in our playmakers' hands. I, I just think we're going to see a lot more of that, and we're going to see a lot of teams in the offseason trying to find that style of player where maybe a player in the past was a bit of a tweener, that might look like a positive going forward for for certain players in the NFL. And and that's the first thing that hit me. And maybe it's just because my mind is so locked in with the 49ers and covering them and and seeing what Debo Samuel can do. But that's immediately what jumped into my mind when I saw Jamar Chase take a handoff and and do some of those things multiple times. So uh, I think that's definitely one of the directions the league is going. It's a great conversation. It's something we should definitely continue to talk about all offseason. And what's interesting I didn't realize this until the game, you know, the announcers actually talked about it. I guess Chase at LSU often lobbied for traditional running back usage. And they're like, I think you're fine where you're at. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) this is working pretty well. And it's better if you do have the gadgety type player that doesn't wreck the rest of your offense if he gets hurt. Because you don't necessarily want that right. player, and that's the worry with Debo Samuel that I've had during the regular season. Now it's, you know, the gloves are off. It's it's all hands on deck. It's the playoffs, whatever. you got to use your playmakers and use them to the best of their ability. But I don't think you necessarily want your number one wide receiver taking handoffs and getting tackled by 300-pounders very often throughout the, the course of a regular season either. Absolutely. And my last nugget on it is I often reference watching football with my 15-year-old son who's – Knows a heck of a lot more than I ever did at 15. And you've mentioned that about Debo with the injuries. And the first thing he said, you know, we were pretty far into the Niner game. And he's like, Dad, I think they give it to Debo too much. He's going to get hurt. He's had an injury history. I'm like, you're 100. He's like, why are they doing it? And you nailed it, BP. I mean, I said, well, think about this, young Michael. If the Niners trot out no running backs on the field, Debo and two other receivers, Kittle, and even use check or another tight end or whatever, you're going to get like personnel. I mean, how could you not play at least nickel, if not dime against that? And then you line one of these quote pass catchers up and hand them the ball behind Trent Williams and Kittle and use check. It's pretty profitable. <laughs> yes. Know? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. So that there, that's one direction the league could be going and, and we'll see uh, if that takes off with some teams but it, it helps to have a special type of a player and, and I'll get more into that and, and Debo Samuel the 49ers offense here and the the end of the road here for the Raiders a valiant effort for them we'll see what they do with their head coaching position tough spot because they got behind in a valiant effort and you know the Bengals did not close the door that's one thing to look at and 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 they, they couldn't finish off the Raiders and the Raiders had the ball with a chance to tie the game late in the fourth quarter it didn't happen but um you know, and kudos to the Bengals for not allowing that to happen. But they didn't slam the door either, so that's Mm-mm. definitely something to, to to look for with those Bengals. Do they have the defense? Do they have the running game to slam the door on teams when they do get an early lead like that? One thing we maybe we should do on Wednesday or Thursday is just spend two minutes, you know, which probably means five because I start yeah yammering on and on. Twelve minutes about what's next for the teams that just got eliminated. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and I think the Raiders are probably the most interesting ones out yes, there. You know, I like Carr, that. head coach, you know, 
you know, what, what, what's next for the team that just got bumped? Yep, let's do it. Let's absolutely do that. I think that would be a fun Wednesday episode for these teams before we start looking really deep into those divisional playoff matchups. Okay, um, let's move along here. We've got Patriots, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles, Bucks, Steelers, Chiefs coming up next. How's everyone's New Year's resolutions going into week two of the new year? Well, if you put Built Bar in your plan, it's probably going a lot better if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to those resolutions because it tastes good and you'll want to eat it. You don't get the chalky, waxy flavor of some protein bars out there and and when you want to eat healthy sometimes it gets so boring and by week three of the new year you might be thinking you know what it's not worth it where's the chocolate well guess what built bars are wrapped in 100 real chocolate most built bars contain only 130 calories compare that to 250 calories in most candy bars. There's 30 grams of sugar in a candy bar. How about only 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs in most built Bars with 17 grams of protein to keep you satisfied and keep you going. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order of tons of amazing flavors or a mixed box if you're not sure what flavor you want. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. What is there to say about this blowout of the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen going for five touchdown passes from the from jump from the first snap of the game to the last snap of the game, even with a huge lead putting up uh, points in the fourth quarter too? Was that maybe even a like take this Bill Belichick from Sean McDermott and uh, the Buffalo Bills 47-17 thorough domination by the Bills over the Patriots in the wild card round of the playoffs? Yeah. Um, first of all, we got Bengals going to Tennessee next week. That should be a blast. But Bills at Chiefs next week? Holy Woo. smokes. I mean, that might be – if I could pick a matchup to watch of anyone in the league right now, that might be my choice, you know, just to sit back and watch awesome young quarterbacks and great teams that are hot. And I'm going to pat myself on the back. I think I t- told you all about a week ago that I was going to put some bucks down on uh, the Bills 8-1 to one to win the whole thing and feeling a lot better about that. I wish they weren't going to Kansas City, but I think this team is dominant, probably the best defense in the league. Amazing offensive performance here, and I don't have it handy, but I've seen it referenced like five or six different ways that no punts, no, you know, no uh, turnovers. Like it was like a, it was a, a pitcher's perfect game it was a perfect on game. offense. It, it really was. was. I mean, what else do you say about that? I have no idea, and and they they the 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 Patriots couldn't really get anything going on offense. Mac Jones versus Josh Allen looked like a major league versus a minor league sort of a matchup yeah, yeah. in that weather, that cold atmosphere. Seeing Josh Allen be able to make plays both with his legs and with his arm, chucking it around the field, um, and the the anemic offense, they couldn't get anything rushing on the ground for New England, then they're behind. And, you know, Mac Jones, 38 passing attempts, only completed 24 of them. He did throw a couple touchdowns at the end, a couple of interceptions there, Um, you know, a valiant effort. But it was just, you know, it was all Josh Allen. It it was just not even close. It was just haymaker after haymaker. And the Buffalo Bills, at some point late in the season, which might be the thing that benefits them the most if they're trying to make a run to the Super Bowls, they found a rushing game. And Devin Singletary, two touchdowns. He was 16 carries for 81 yards. And just um, everything worked for the Bills in this game. It sure did. And 
we might be getting ahead of ourselves. They're not going to do this to every team. And probably the familiarity of the Patriots helped. I thought that would hurt their cause. I mean, going into the game, I said, boy, I love the Bills. And I'm going to keep telling you guys that. But I don't love their matchup because Belichick knows these guys and yada, yada. Well, that didn't work that way at all. Um, You get 150-ish yards from Allen and Singletary and actually hand the ball to a running back unlike you did early in the season. Mm -hmm. That's working out really well. Guys like Dawson Knox are big-time playmakers. And you know my love affair with yards per play. Buffalo averaged 8.9 yards per play. I mean, think about that. Every time you snap the ball, you're picking up nine yards. (laughs) I mean, like – Anyone that listens, like teams lead the league at like six, and this game they were eight point nine in um, in seven degree ahead. weather, and and just seeing them move, they move differently than the Patriots, and mm-hmm. uh, you know J C Jackson really good cover corner for the for the Patriots, and you know it just Pats getting, look slow, yeah, getting beat, and uh, so it was like they were wearing the wrong shoes or something. It was it, it was like they were playing on two different surfaces, two different two different games happening. It was, it was pretty wild. Yeah, Patriots will be a fun conversation Wednesday, Thursday, whatever, because they have to get faster. Um, I think that was Robert Mays I heard say this. So I'm going to steal it from somebody. And he's not saying it's going to happen. But Patriot fans, Mac Jones' rookie year wasn't that much different from Joe Burrow's. You know, like, he was outclassed here. He hit a rookie wall. He's never going to be close to as talented as Allen. But... Give him Jamar Chase. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, it's not that would over, help. You know what I mean? <laughs> that would help. And look, he doesn't have a right. cannon of an arm, and uh, but but he throws a, a pretty good ball, and, and he can throw a deep ball. And um, yeah, that'll be really fun to watch where that career goes with Mac Jones because when you just look at his rookie season, it was awesome. He was really good, and yeah. the Patriots found something. And I think the Patriots surpassed a lot of expectations this year, and they need to get him some playmakers for sure. And if they can keep playing defense the way they did, that that's really what blows me away with this game because it wasn't really, it wasn't that one team beat the other team, a familiar foe. This was one of the top defenses in the NFL that just got beat down thoroughly, badly, badly. Yeah. So yes. and like you can't even. And I started with talking about you know Allen versus Jones, and that was a clear win for the Bills. But it wasn't because of Mac Jones that they lost this game either. So I, I want to make that clear. Right, right. And I, I referenced you know Chiefs Bills. If those two quarterbacks, Mahomes and Allen, if if this was Allen's A game, I mean obviously, if those guys have A games, I don't care who the defenses are. I mean, I just mentioned the Bills are the best defense in the league. Who cares? I mean, if Allen and Mahomes are on their best day, it's going to look like Chiefs Rams on Monday Night Football, <laughs> yeah. first one to seven. You know, just doesn't matter. The and yeah, we saw the exact same thing from Mahomes Sunday night. It didn't happen as quickly, but once it started happening, it was like, oh no, okay, that's yeah, that's that's. Up something we cannot deal with right now today, and so we're gonna have to go home. Um, more on that game in a bit. Let's let's do 49ers Cowboys right now because I think this was the best game with with I guess similar to the the first game Raiders Bengals where it looked like really one sided, and if you looked at the the referees cards, if this was a a boxing match, it would have been a unanimous de- decision for the team that won, even though the score made it look a little bit closer than it was, and potentially the Raiders and the Cowboys 
had an opportunity to tie those games or win those games late. But the 49ers held on and slammed the door. I think it was some early field goals that really allowed it. And then in the second half, uh, especially in the fourth quarter, the Cowboys did start to get a little something going. Jimmy Garoppolo threw, you know, his interception, which he's going to do. And it was, oh my gosh, it was like, oh, is this going to happen now? Are the Cowboys going to come back after, you know, three quarters of D'Amico Ryan's defense really doing a number on Dak Prescott and uh, the Cowboys offense? But the 49ers did hold on. And I, let's just start with the last play of the game. What are you doing there, running a quarterback draw? I thought that I thought live it was Dak's decision just to run because he knew he could get some yards and try to. But that was a was that a called quarterback draw? That that was so. uh, an interesting way to end the game. You never had a shot at throwing it to the end zone to advance. So bad coaching, bad everything there at the end of the game, and then. Uh, Dak Prescott after the game saying uh, he didn't like seeing the Cowboys fans throwing bottles and beer and stuff at him walking off the field. And they said, oh, oh, they were throwing that stuff at the refs. And he's like, oh, good on them then. So just bad luck blaming the refs at the end of the game. I mean, how long do you have to play football to know that you can't set the ball yourself? You have to let the referee come set it for you. And so with 14 seconds left, quarterback uh, scrambling around in the middle of the field, no timeouts. And that's the way it ends for the Dallas Cowboys Really good season, 12 wins, but they are out, and the 49ers upset advance. I think we both picked the Niners. Uh, I made a couple bucks on the Niner money line. Uh, I felt good about that. Really good matchup for them, and that part went as planned. Give Dallas credit, as you said. It got really interesting at the end, and if they're a little smarter with their clock management, maybe we're having a different conversation, and they win 24-23. I mean, just one of those strange endings to games. And especially that call, but I I don't mean this to be an attack job on one person, but this is a really bad look for Mike McCarthy. And we've seen this type of thing before. I mean, so many people lump him in with the Peyton Harbaugh, Tomlin level coaches because he's been around so long. I don't see it that way at all. I, I thought that his team played with, very little urgency. Really undisciplined, um, too. Yeah. Time penalties. Yeah. I mean, it was not a good look at all for the Cowboys from a leadership perspective. I totally agree. And then the styles make fights, is which is why we both picked the 49ers in this one. If the Cowboys can't stop the run, it's game over. And that's exactly what it was. Luckily for the Cowboys, they were able to stay in it because it was sort of bend, don't break on a couple of drives there by the 49ers, and they settled for field goals in the first half. Or this would have been out of hand a lot earlier because they were just pounding the Cowboys. It was like the Cowboys were standing on the tracks and the 49ers were coming through and they weren't stopping. And uh, right. Elijah Mitchell, 27 carries, carrying the load. What a rookie season he's had, 96 yards and a touchdown. Then Debo Samuel, who, and I say this, and I 100% mean it, Debo Samuel is the best running back in the NFL right now. <laughs> I, I would take Debo Samuel over Derrick Henry, over Christian McCaffrey. He's unbelievable. 10 carries, it's 72 yards. His vision as it's just a pure fluke. runner. Uh, and, and by the way, he's the to our conversation earlier with your son talking about running the ball to Debo Samuel, the one thing in his favor, he's the heaviest running back on the 49ers, too, if you consider he's 220 really? pounds. I mean, they always like those Mostert small run four fours, run into a wall, get hurt, go mm-hmm. get the next guy type, you know. But I would have never thought he's the heaviest. Interesting. And he's an amazing football player. And it's not fluky. It's not, oh, that's a cute little gimmicky end around double reverse. Blah, blah. I mean, there's traditional downhill running back runs, and they're, they're awesome. A um, couple other just numbers that are going to you know, t- turn this more conversation. 
five sacks for the Niners and they lost Bosa early. You know, like this D-line gets after it. And that was certainly a determining factor in this game. And unfortunately, I hate to bring this up, but it was too much of a theme for the whole weekend. But 14 penalties by Dallas, nine from the Niners. I mean, the refs were a little more involved in these five games than I would have liked. They were, and I, I saw both coaching staffs on the sideline lobbying. I think there was a lot of lobbying for holding calls from both teams. And, and I think teams with really good defensive lines, which both the 49ers and Cowboys have, that have good pass rushers, they don't want their pass rushers held. And so I think they really uh, they really talked to the refs before the game. They're, I could see the defensive line coach, Chris Kosarek, on the 49ers every time they had a third down. He's running out there to the ref saying, holding, holding, they were holding, they were holding. So I think there was some lobbying for some penalties in some cases too. But then, uh, you know, and though, you know, like they say, there's holding on every play in the NFL. And if you are looking for it, you can find it. But there was definitely some undisciplined stuff, especially on the Cowboys side that, you know, you just have to call in a lot of cases. So maybe it was called a little bit tighter, but, you know, it's one you can't point to the refs at all. And certainly an undisciplined game start to finish from Dallas. And again, bad look for them. Um, one ref note that I just want to make while it's fresh on my mind is I, I, I know you had a getaway this weekend, so you may not have been even noticed this, but I've never noticed this in all my years of watching football. Early in just about every game, they would spend 30 seconds or a minute saying, this referee, Joe Blow, is in his 28th season, and this is his last go-round as a ref. We just want to thank him for all he's done over the years. I've never seen that before, and I started thinking, these are a lot of old men running around with young men <laughs> trying to keep up. Yeah, if you've been refing for 28 years, you're old, and you probably are in danger on the field, let alone able to keep up with the pace of the game. Yeah, and it's not like Tom Brady. You didn't start as an NFL referee when you were 21, 22 years old, you know, so uh, came out of college early to be a ref. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. First round <laughs> pick is like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a red shirt sophomore. I'm going to forego my last two years of eligibility and go to eligible. the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming out. That's a great point. And the NFL is faster <laughs> than ever and hard more, you know, it's more difficult to officiate than ever too. So yeah. yeah, there's a lot of old dudes. I mean, I just noticed it this week. I was wondering if they're pushing all these old guys out, realizing it's a problem. And we'll honor them on national TV and thank them for their service. But some of these guys are 30 years in as a ref. It's like, oh, I mean, he's got to be 60 plus. I mean, he started as probably a high school ref way back when, you know. Uh, speaking of matchups, 49ers Packers, pretty good one. Yeah, we've seen that recently in playoffs. A little worried about uh, Nick Bosa and Fred Warner injuries. More on those later in the week for the 49ers. That will absolutely have an effect. But even without Bosa, he did get a sack in this one. They were still able to to, to get after Dak Prescott. And, and really, I think... Of every, I know the 49ers were able to run the ball well and play some keep away, which is a part of it, and that's their game plan, and that's why this worked to a T for the 49ers, and, and the game script was exactly what they wanted. But the job D'Amico Ryans has done, uh, yeah, I, really I, well I imagine just you know with all eyes watching these playoff games, there's got to be some owners and GMs out there that say, you know what, we should at least call the 49ers and request an interview with D'Amico Ryans, even though he's such a young coach and only been a defensive coordinator for one year. They did hold the the league's you know best offense, the highest scoring points per game offense in the league to 17 points, and they needed some late points just to get there. So a really great job by the 49ers defense, and it wasn't just their stars showing up. Uh, you know, it was the, you know, a no-name group of cornerbacks and, you know, the, yeah, the, res- yeah. the other rotational defensive linemen getting after it too. So I was impressed by the entire unit there on defense for the Niners. Again, we'll mention this probably Wednesday, but 
could Dallas lose both their coordinators or maybe they bump more up for McCarthy's job? I mean, I keep hearing that Quinn to Denver is pretty close to a done deal. Mm. And isn't uh, the Niners offensive coordinator getting a little bit of buzz too? Yeah, he is. I, I don't think What's his name again, uh, Mike McDaniel, Mikey yeah. McD from rounders. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's worked his way up to uh OC now in the, in the NFL. He, uh, yeah, I've, he doesn't strike me as head coach material, at least yet. He's sort of the the nerdy, um, okay, X's and O's. Yeah, smart guy, the guy behind the guy. You know, he was the the but he was the run game coordinator before he was named offensive coordinator because uh, Matt Lafleur's little brother, Mike Lafleur, was the passing game coordinator with the 49ers. Now he's the offensive coordinator with the Jets. So I could see why you'd want to interview somebody who's you know had a, a big hand in, in the best running game in the NFL, one of the best running games in the NFL over the last few years. I just don't, he's, you know, sort of a nerdy guy, not great with the media. I don't think he's a hoorah, sort of a, you know, head coach, mm-hmm. get everybody fired up type of a person. I think of maybe, a, you know, in the Mark Tressman mold, maybe. Um, so maybe he not will get that chance player. eventually, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's really the, the, the head coach type. I would say if I was going to snag a head coach from the 49ers, it would be D'Amico Ryans for sure. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, he's done a great job. Yeah. So, yeah, the Niners-Packers is going to be a blast. I mean, can they control the game on the ground like they have in the past? Right. We'll they did it to them in 2019 on the way to the Super right. Bowl. Can they do it again? Can the 49ers go on the road and win some more games against some really good football teams? We'll find out, and we'll talk more about those matchups next. Let's recap Bucks, eagles and Chiefs-Steelers. Tons of great lines ahead for the divisional playoff weekend at betonline.ag. BetOnline wishing you a happy betting new year continuing the run into the playoffs and beyond in 2022 bet online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action a new year new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code locked on to get started 49ers packers Bengals, Titans, Bills, Chiefs, looking like some really tasty matchups at betonline.ag this upcoming weekend. You can find all of those odds and props and more, not only football, basketball, hockey, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Another blowout, and I think I called the blowout on this one with the Bucks and Eagles on our preview show, Matt, but really once I started thinking about it even more when I was flying to uh, Park City, Utah to go skiing this weekend, and I kind of watched all these games out of order, uh, but it was fun to go back and watch this game and just watch how the, the Eagles were just not, they didn't belong. And you kind of said no, that at the beginning. It was like, okay, wow, yeah. And, and one of the big things I thought about when I was flying to my vacation spot and and hanging out in the snow and I had a great time and was able to uh, watch a lot of football and have some great food and drinks and Park City Utah is a beautiful place by the way and I'm super beat right now from all the skiing I did and running around and trying to find places to watch football games and watching a little bit on my phone while I was on the mountain and then watching more later when I got home and, and re-watching some of the stuff that I missed the Eagles are not built to come from behind and as soon as the Bucks no. go up it was like oh yeah this game's gonna be pretty much over because you know the, your, the strength is your offensive line and even though there are some weapons on that Eagles offense just you know Tom Brady and what the the Buccaneers can do and keep you off the field and just run with precision and then the Buccaneers defense is pretty good at at, at stopping the run then you get behind and the Eagles aren't built to come from behind that just that felt as over as any of these games early in the first quarter 
Without question. I mean, when you go into halftime going, ah, I guess I'll finish watching this because it's my job, but I right. really don't. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I'm not going to walk away from it, but it, it, thing's over. I'm sure Hertz will get, catch a lot of blame. And we all mix feelings on him, but to his credit, I'm almost certain he left the, the stadium in a walking boot and he was coming back from an injury. Maybe this, you know, he, there was more there injury wise than we realize. Uh, Devontae Smith and Goddard combined for 23 targets and a lot of it in garbage time, but it was kind of clear that they're the Ragers of the world aren't getting it done. They need at least one more guy of, you know, of consequence. Um, the Bucks were short those type of guys, but Evans was really good. Brady was certainly good enough. They really shut the run down early. And I mean, unfortunately, these last two games aren't, they don't take a whole lot of analysis. I mean, again, the Raiders and especially the two Pennsylvania teams really looked overmatched. And wow, when you're the Buccaneers and you lose Chris Godwin and you lose Antonio Brown and you can still have Gronk scoring touchdowns right. for you in the playoffs and Mike Evans going off nine catches 117 yards and a touchdown seemed like he was open all day and nine of ten ca- catching nine of ten targets there is like so much talent on that football team even though they limped into the playoffs and missed uh, a lot of their players it didn't matter it didn't matter at all in this game at least Not we'll, see if that, we'll see if that uh, starts to matter in the divisional round next week uh, Devontae Smith I would love a more precision passing game for him as a receiver because I think he's really sure. good and we haven't seen the best of him yet at all but you nailed it there for 23 targets they only caught 10 passes for what 140 yards 150 yards maybe between goddard and smith it's just you know nothing really was working then a late boston scott 34 yard touchdown run made it even look better than it was it was really just all tampa and that's it yeah i mean the bucks won the time possession battle significantly by about six minutes um the eagles turned the ball over three times as opposed to none for the bucks and one of Brady's great traits to me is I don't care about style points. I'm not trying to get voter, you know, recognition like the NCAA. If you're going to give me something, I'm just going to take it. And he just beat up on vanilla coverages. And, mm. you know, he's the perfect quarterback for let's just make this a business trip, do what we have to do to win and get the heck out of here. I mean, him and Belichick did that for years and years. Yep, absolutely. Let's move on to the final game from Sunday, which was... We don't have to. I mean, I, I want to talk about a few things because even in a loss, the mo- maybe and of course, maybe second to Patrick Mahomes, the most impressive guy on the field was TJ Watt in this game. Yeah, and he yeah. almost single-handedly got the Steelers in a position to win this game in the first half, but then there was that late touchdown by the Chiefs uh, in the second quarter there right before halftime, and really it was like, okay, that, yeah, this is not going to happen for the Steelers, even though you know it started exactly like you wanted if you're a Steelers fan, right? 0-0 after the first quarter. Then T.J. Watt causing a turnover. Then the in the pistol there, I don't know. Look, first of all, don't take the ball out of your the best player in the world's hands, right? And, and the, So they're running this funky play out of the pistol. They fumble it. T.J. Watt picks it up, scores a touchdown. Um, T.J. Watt had such a huge impact there. It's the second quarter. Steelers are up 7-0. And it's like, oh, man, they might be able to do this thing. Can they keep pressuring Patrick Mahomes? And all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes says, all right, enough screwing around. Boom, boom, boom. Five touchdown passes, and they end up rolling 42-21. And, and wow, how quickly that offense can score. Yeah, I mean, not a competitive game, of course. Um, you mentioned it. I mean, to start... It couldn't have gone better for Pittsburgh. I mean, that the defense was getting three and outs, getting turnovers. They scored on defense. Watt was great. Uh, Hayward was great, as always. I say that every week. 
But Steelers had 44 yards of offense in the first half. I mean, there was at one point I saw a stat. I think Roethlisberger had thrown 14 passes and the Steelers had 13 yards, passing yards or something like that. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just unbelievably bad. I mean, I'm in the middle of writing an article now recapping the game. And frankly, I'm not trying to destroy Ben on his last day as an NFL player. But, I mean, he was at the bottom of the league all year in terms of getting the ball out of his hands fast. And in some cases, that's a good stat. In this case, it's such a bad stat because every throw is short. They're so easy to play defense against. And once in a while, they take a deep shot down the right sideline where they just chuck it up and it's just a hope somebody makes a play and his receivers didn't make much of a play. And I mean, just really, really bad offense. And you just give the chiefs that many cracks of things. They figure out the defense. They've been on the field too long. And then, as you said, they just start pulling away and do things like throw touchdowns to fat guys and then have Kelsey throw touchdowns (laughs) to his friends and, you know, just pick it on the kid at school that didn't belong. Yep, that's the way it felt at the end of that game, yep. and really in the second quarter, it was like, well, that was it. Yeah, it was a nice, nice little run for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we kind of thought maybe they didn't belong, and the Chiefs proved that that the Steelers did not belong in this tournament. They were out very quickly, and the Chiefs will advance. And there's some really tasty matchups next week in the divisional round. We'll talk more about these teams that did not make it in. The Steelers now one of those, and and the outlook for the upcoming offseason in 2022, which is pivotal for a lot of these football teams. Any parting words here after the wild card uh, Saturday and Sunday games before we finish it up with the Monday night game tomorrow? I don't think. I mean, I, I like the way they put all, you know put it out and we still have one more game, which is pretty darn cool and super wild card weekend. I wonder if that's going to be a thing going forward. Um, I think tonight's game is going to be fun. But... Playoffs are awesome, so I'm certainly not complaining, but next week, all the riffraff's gone. I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be tons of fun. Matt and I will have you covered as we do every day here on the show. Thanks for making us your first listen for your second listen. Check out your boy Q hosting Locked On Bets, talking about the sporting world every day here with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, as is this program. Matt and I back with you tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.